Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Sheree Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, PBS early learning champion, and co-founder of Sims Library of Poetry. Uh, I'm excited to be here today, as always. And y'all, I'm really excited for what we're going to talk about today. And I think I'm just going to dive in, but not before telling you my pit and peak of the day. As always, I love to start with the peak and pit of my day. It's a way to kind of just connect with one another, open up conversation. It's something I invite you to try with your family. It's an easy way to find out things that are happening in their day that you may not otherwise find out about because a lot of times we might just ask questions like how was your day and we hear either like it was good or cool whatever and we don't get a lot of insight but sometimes when we open it up with what was the worst part of your day and what was the best part of your day we find out a little bit more about what's going on in school in their friendships with their teachers find out about their personal challenges things that they really like certain strengths so I invite you to try talking about the peak and pit of your day with your family. So the pit of my day is there is a very strange smell in my room and it's been here for like two days. And I feel like I should be embarrassed to share that with y'all because it makes me feel like I'm dirty. But I have cleaned my room up and down behind shelves, under beds, behind my couch. I've opened up every single drawer And I have like thoroughly cleaned and I think that my children have struck again, the littles. I am positive that they have snuck some food in here somewhere and that it is hiding somewhere that I can't find and it smells like old broccoli in here and it's driving me absolutely nuts. So I am about to spend the weekend like turning my room upside down and moving all the furniture until I find what ninja kid has stuffed somewhere in a corner somewhere. So that's the pit of my day. Peak of my day is watching my oldest daughter. Y'all, I am so proud of that girl. Today at my school, we had a conversation with the eighth graders and the parents. Here it is. We're diving. We're going right in. Here we go. Y'all ready? Grab your snorkels. We are deep diving. We're headed right into the deep end of the pool right now. (laughs) This is where it starts. Uh, So this morning, I went to my job early. Uh, We called a meeting with the parents of our older children and the students themselves, my daughter being one of them. And we got together to have a conversation about racism, sexism, homophobia, and all the other things you can think of that fall under that umbrella. Now, this was an intro conversation. I'm not going to get all the way into that conversation right now, but we had a very uncomfortable and hard topic that we were talking about. And my daughter stood up and she talked about how she does advocate against these things. And she thanked the school for having this conversation because it is important and needed. And she also said that while she is comfortable advocating, she cannot do it alone. And she asked her peers to become advocates with her. And she thanked her teachers for supporting people being advocates against wrongdoing. And I could not be more proud. I could not be more proud than to watch my daughter be strong and brave and articulate and outspoken and not just outspoken, but be a leader in asking people to advocate with her. I'm just, I'm so proud, y'all. 
Uh, So that is definitely the peak of my day. And it leads me into what I want to talk to you all about today, which is having hard conversations with our children and being aware of the world that our children are living in. So many new things are coming at them in so many different venues. I mean, of course, when we hear that automatically, we kind of think of technology and social media and all of the information that they're getting through TV shows and music and social media and TikTok and all these different spaces. But even, you know, just within their social circles and how accessible news is and how unfiltered everything is. And all of these things have the benefits and the downfalls to it, right? But it is a lot. And our children are just out there swimming in it. (laughs) And they're not necessarily knowing how to navigate through or even how to swim. Some of our children are sinking in all of this information. And a lot of us parents are actually more blind to it than we realize. We think that we know and understand all of what's going on. We have assumptions that our children, especially our teenagers, are like entering a phase where certain things are happening. But I don't think we know the depths of it. And as an educator and someone who's in the classroom, I'm hearing some of the comments. And as a parent coach, I'm working with parents and I'm hearing even more comments that just kind of blow me away. So last night, I actually held a workshop for some of my parents at our school because our school is a beautiful place that is inclusive of intentionally inclusive of all people, right? Like one of the goals of our school is to invite people from different political backgrounds, religious backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds as a way to see differences, love differences, and learn how to work with people from different backgrounds learn how to communicate with them. So our school intentionally has people from different places. And because of that love and that welcoming, we get a lot of people who have had really terrible experiences at previous schools. We get parents who have been at a school and their child has faced bullying to the 10th degree and on a Tuesday decided like, this is the last day. I am not dealing with this anymore. My child is not going here anymore. I'm pulling them out today. And on Wednesday, they hear about us and they call us. And on Thursday, they are enrolled at our school with their child who has been hurt at a previous school. So last night, I had a workshop for these parents who have had these experiences where they've been at schools and their child has been harmed. And they, as the parent, have been harmed because a lot of times our children go through things. But sometimes as parents, we forget about protecting our own peace or repairing our own experiences and healing ourselves. And we find ourselves in a situation where we had a bad experience with our with our child at school. And now every time our school calls, even if we're at a new school, even if we're somewhere where we love the teachers and we trust the environment, every time we see a school number on our phone, we get nervous. We think something has happened to our child. We think it's repeating itself. When we show up for the parent-teacher conference, we worry again that they're going to tell us how bad our child is or you know whatever is going on. And so we experience this anxiety for years after the harm has occurred. And we have healing that we need to do as parents. So last night, I met with those parents and we talked about healing ourselves as parents so that we can continue to nurture our child's educational journey and we can continue to thrive and experience this educational journey in a peaceful way and in a way that is fun and loving and safe. And in this meeting, 
I heard from parents things that have been said to their children at these other schools today in 2023. And these are not people that are coming from one school, right? They are coming from multiple schools. And so in multiple places in our country, in California, our children are hearing very hurtful and hateful comments. I had a parent tell me that their child has heard or received the slur of F you. Look, my voice cracks. It's hard to even say. I've heard them talk about um, genders and whether or not, you know, people believe that there were two genders or more than one gender and people argue and tell another person what their identity was and that they were not going to accept anything other than male or female. I've heard them say that they've had their daughter inappropriately touched at a school, that if their daughter went to sit down on a chair, a boy's hand was under her chair trying to feel her. I've heard parents talk about their daughter was wearing a pair of boots and someone commented that those were lesbian boots. Comments that would hurt the person and any other person that may identify a certain way or dress a certain way or style, you know, however it is, walk, talk a certain way. And these things are hurtful and hateful. And I'm giving you the least of the comments that were shared. And as I heard these comments, honestly, these comments... made me want to cry. My eyes welled up with tears at the amount of hate and hurt that go into these things that are being said. And I don't want you to get me confused, right? I'm not out here sharing this because I want you to judge any child. I'm saying this because I want you to be aware that in 2023, as far as you think we've come, these things are still being said. And it is very likely that your child is either saying these things hearing these things or the recipient of these things being said. And so we have to make sure as parents that we are a safe place for our children to come and share. This goes back to peak and pit. Imagine if you say, what was the pit of your day? And your child tells you the pit of my day was that someone called me a at school. Believe it or not, it may not come up any other way. Or they may say, I don't want to talk about the pit of my day. And that allows you to realize that something's going on and it's time to maybe pull your child to the side, have a conversation and try to find out what's going on. But unfortunately, in our homes, we still have a lot of blind spots where we're not seeing and realizing what our children are saying or experiencing. And that's no judgment to you as the parent. I know that you're doing your best. I know that you are making attempts to connect with your child. I know that because I know that if you're here listening to this podcast, you are the type of parent who is actively, intentionally trying to learn all of the tools to be the best version of yourself and the best parent that you can be to your child. So I know that you who are listening to this is a good parent, is a great parent, and that you are doing your best. And even still, we have blind spots and we miss things and it's unintentional and it's nobody's fault, but we can be active to try to make sure that we get a hold of our blind spots and see what's in them so that we can help our children. And I know as parents, a lot of times, like we just want to protect our children. If we could, we'd probably bubble wrap them up and make sure that nobody ever said anything that could harm them in any way. Nobody ever did anything that could harm them in any type of way. I know we as parents want to be protectors and we want to protect our children from all of these negative experiences. 
Unfortunately, we cannot always protect our children, and sometimes the protection is going to come in the processing. When we can't protect our children, we help them process what is happening. How do we help them process? By becoming a safe space. By becoming a space that does not judge, because believe it or not, sometimes it's their friends, it's their good friends, it's their best friend that makes a hurtful or hateful comment towards them. And when we become someone that judges things that we hear, our children don't want to come to us because they still want to be friends with that person. So they're not going to tell us what their friend did or said because they're worried that we might judge them and that might ruin their friendship. So we can do our best. And I know we judge. I judge. But in my judgment, I can still make a choice on how I'm going to respond or react to that judgment. So we want to create a safe place for our child to be able to share with us openly and honestly. And a safe place is usually free of judgment or free of response to that judgment or even calling out your judgment, right? Like in our meeting this morning when we were talking about these things openly, one of the parents said, you know, I do my best not to judge and I don't think I'm judging, but when I hear certain things, it makes me sick. So I guess I am judging. So I'm going to work on that. Right. And that was a beautiful thing that this parent said. It was beautiful and vulnerable and put her in a space where, you know, my child is learning. I'm learning. We're going to learn together. So even if you have these struggles, it's okay to be open and honest with your children about this. And I do also want to make a side note to say that some of this conversation right now is about our older children. This is pertaining to our preteens, teens, but it also starts when our children are younger. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. So if you have a younger child, I want you to stick around because this does start when our children are young. When when I think about being a safe space, it comes back to this. We did an episode on I'm okay with my child telling me no, right? I'm okay with my child talking back. This is something that a lot of people don't like, especially our older generation. They don't like the fact that I am okay with my children talking back to me. I'm okay with my children saying no to me. And a big reason for this is because I do want my children to learn how to talk back. And I do want my children to learn how to say no. This does not mean that I want my children to be disrespectful towards me. It does not mean that I'm okay with it, that I allow it. It means that I become a safe space for them to test and try and fumble. That was something that was talked about this morning by our our principal or our head of school, which I loved so much. She said, we're actually having this meeting because we have had a couple of comments that have not been in alignment with what we believe. And I want to catch it now before it grows. I want to catch it now when we are in a space where we love this group of children to life. Like we love these children. And we know that during certain points in life, you are going to fumble and you are going to step in potholes and you are going to get muddy in the pothole that you just stepped in with your mouth (laughs) or with your choices And you are going to make mistakes and you are going to break things. But we want you to do those things here in a safe space with people who love you and can correct you and can help you repair so that when you go out into the world, you don't make these major mistakes outside of the safe space. And I say that same thing to my children or to myself, like that's what I want my home to be. We're humans. We are all humans. Anybody listening to this has made a mistake, big and small. I know that you can think of a time that you really fumbled with your words or your choices or your actions, and you caused a lot of harm 
to somebody somewhere at some point in your life. But what happens after we do it? We need help to repair, to heal, and to learn how to do better. So when my children tell me no or my children talk back, it doesn't sound like, oh, you have a strong, powerful voice. I'm so glad you said that to me. Thank you. No, this is the place where I get to correct. And I get to say, you know what? Your words are hurtful. I hear you and I hear you trying to stand up for what you want right now, but your words are hurtful and they feel disrespectful to me. Can you try saying it this way? Here's how I can hear you. I see that you're upset and not ready to hear my words. I'm going to be over here. When you are ready to talk with me, when you're ready to hear my words, let me know. I would love to hear you out and I would love to be heard also. These are the kinds of conversations I have in my classroom and with my children. So there's space for them to talk back and make mistakes. That doesn't mean that it's not without consequence. And that consequence might look like my feelings being hurt. It might look like we're not going to have this conversation while you're using those words or that tone of voice. If you're angry, take a moment to get yourself together. You can be angry. Here's how and where you can be angry. But when you're speaking to me, here's what I need from you. The same tone of voice I'm using with you, I need for you to use with me. The same words that I'm choosing to use with you, I need you to use with me. I need you to ask yourself, are your words kind? Are your words true? Are your words helpful? If they're not, I'm going to ask that you wait to say what you have to say until you can say them in a kind, respectful, helpful way. And if you need help finding those words, let me know. I'd be happy to help you. Right. So gentle parenting is not about let your kids be a brat, let your kids be disrespectful. It's about let your kids feel safe to make the mistake and then show them what the consequences look like and teach them how to repair and teach them how to do it the right way. And so, again, this starts when they're young. This starts at two years old when they say, no, you're the worst mommy ever. Don't talk to me anymore. It starts right then. Rather than shaming them and shutting them down and sending them away where they never learn how to express those words and express those feelings, because guess what? One day when they're older, they're going to be in a position where somebody does something and they're going to feel like that is the worst thing ever. Are they going to know how to express that, right? If they hear F you, they need to know, oh no, that is homophobic. We don't say that. Do not speak to me that way. Do not speak to my friend that way. They do have to learn how to stand up and say, don't and no, and I don't like that, and you may not, and that was mean. Absolutely, they need to learn how to say that. But when they're little and they tell you you're the worst mom ever, you can certainly correct them and tell them, how else can you say this right now? Or here are some words. I see that you're angry. Can you tell me that you're frustrated? Can you tell me, I don't think that I'm the worst. I think that you don't like what's happening and that's fair, right? But you do it with them. You help them process it because then later when they have a a situation or an interaction and they need help processing, they're going to come to you and you're going to be having practiced, having conversations, sharing peak and pits where you get to open up ways where you find out what's happening so you can have those conversations. Now, here's something else that came up in our conversation today was that one of the children said, you know, sometimes if I hear things, I don't really know what to do. Like if I'm a bystander and I'm not the one saying it or I'm not the one receiving it, I see it, I might hear it, but I don't know what to do and it's uncomfortable. 
And I was so proud of that child for bringing that up because it's so important. That's another thing is a lot of times as parents, we will just tell our children things like, you have to find a better way to say that. You have to find a way to tell someone no. Well, where are they supposed to find these ways? And, and most of us as parents haven't found these ways. We don't even know. So rather than being able to tell our children, we just tell them find the ways. So here's what I told my students, and here's what I'm telling you that you can share with your children. And this is not something you even have to wait for something bad to happen. Have a conversation with them on the ride home from school and say, hey, I listened to this podcast and they were talking about hard conversations. They were talking about when things happen at school and what do you do? And I wanted to talk to you about that today. I wanted to share with you the five D's of intervention for bystanders. So here are the five D's. If you're somewhere where you can write them down, write them down. If you're not, come back to this, note where we're at in the podcast and come back to it later so you can write it down and share it with your child. But the five D's of intervention for a bystander are number one, to be direct. Teach your child to be direct and you as the leader and an example, be direct. Oh, that's a racist comment. That's so uncomfortable for people to call people out and say that's racist, that's sexist. But you know what? When you do that, you are being direct and to the point and you don't need a whole conversation and all these other words. It is what it is. You are not being disrespectful and you are allowed to do that. And you don't need to do anything other than that than say that was racist or stop, that's racist. Stop, that's sexist. That's not okay. That's homophobic. So the first D is being direct. The second D is documenting. Now, this one I am hesitant to say as a means uh, for a tool for teenagers because they're still learning to navigate so much. But documenting can be with a phone. We see out in public how sometimes documenting these different hateful acts that have happened on the street actually can help later on in things that happen. So for adults, when we're out and we see things that are happening that are not right and that are injustices, documentation is a viable and valid way to intervene and help support something that is not right that you're watching, right? For our children, I would not encourage them to take their phones out at school. I think that that is a different conversation that we can have on another day on like how to properly use our technology because my fear and hesitation with telling them to document with video is that it's going to end up on social media somewhere in a way to shame or embarrass other children. So before we're teaching our children to document with phones, we would have to have a safety conversation about technology, videos, rights, usage, and safety in that respect. But right now, in terms of our second D for document, they can write down everything they see and hear. They can write it down anonymously and give it to an adult. I heard so-and-so say this to so-and-so. I heard so-and-so do this to so-and-so. Write it down, leave it on your principal's desk, leave it on your teacher's desk, put it in an envelope and leave it in your parents' mailbox. If you're worried about someone recognizing your handwriting, type it up, print it out somewhere, leave it somewhere anonymously if it's hard for you to be the one to report that. So we have direct, we have document. The third D is to distract. Sometimes it is uncomfortable to intervene in a situation. So if you look over and you see one of your peers, again, I'm using examples of young children because I'm hoping that you're going to share this with your children. If you see a friend of yours in a situation where they look uncomfortable and you hear that someone is making comments to them that are rude, disrespectful, anything along those lines, harmful, or they're touching them in a way that's inappropriate and harmful, you can go over to your friend and be like, hey, girl, hey, hey, bro, 
whatever they say. I don't know. Hey, bruh, look, look, you know, I don't talk like that. I can't even say it in the sentence, but grab your friend and pull them away and be like, oh, I wanted to show you something and just pull them out of the situation. You don't necessarily have to address the situation right then and there, but get them out of the situation. One of the things with these harmful, scary situations that our children face is that oftentimes they face them alone. Oftentimes what happens is that something is said to them, something is done to them, and they are uncomfortable and they don't know how to deal with the situation. And believe it or not, one of the first things that people tend to do is laugh. Just laugh it off. The person who's being offended and hurt, they might laugh because they don't know what else to do. And laughter is a sign of dysregulation. Laughter is not a sign of happiness and joy all the time, right? And this is science. Research shows that laughing is a coping mechanism. It's a survival skill. God, Maya Angelou has a great poem about about laughter and the way that Black women have used laughter to survive, right? So laughter can be a coping mechanism. If someone is laughing, it's not an indication that they're enjoying what's going on. So read the room, check what's happening. If if they're laughing, but you can see that it's an uncomfortable situation, don't allow them to stay. Just get them out of there. Don't allow them to endure that conversation or that moment by themselves where all they can do is laugh to get through it. And now everybody thinks they're okay and they just have to process it by themselves. Distract and pull them away and let them know that they're not alone. The fourth D is to delegate. If you're uncomfortable intervening in a situation, you can get someone else to. Maybe you have a friend who's like my daughter and doesn't mind advocating. All our friend groups have these different peoples, right? It's important to know your friends and know who's which one. Who is the advocate in the group? Who's the one who doesn't hesitate to say something when they see something wrong? So if you see something wrong and you're not the person who's able to step up and say something, that's okay. Delegate it to the friend who is. And if you don't have that friend nearby or that friend in your friend group, delegate it to a teacher, a security guard, a parent, older friend on campus, a principal, somebody, some trusted individual. Go to them and say, can you step in over there? I see someone that needs support. And the last D is to delay. Sometimes we do get frozen. We've talked about that survival response of fight, flight, or freeze, right? Sometimes we freeze in the moment and we really don't know what to do or what to say or how to help. This is certainly going to be the case for many teenagers. It's okay. That doesn't mean that you can't come back. So if you are delaying, still, again, don't leave that person alone in what's happening. Go to them directly after the incident or shortly after the incident and ask them, say, I saw what happened. That wasn't right. Are you okay? Do you need anything? How can I support you? So teach your children these five Ds and also be someone who practices the five Ds of intervention for a bystander. If you are out places in the world and you see things wrong, do any of these five Ds and lead by example and also teach your child. And one thing that we can do with our children, too, is like we can role play and come up with scenarios. You know, we can say, here's the scenario. How would you deal with this one? Would you use distraction, delay, direct? What what one would you use and how would you say, oh, you would be direct? What would you say directly in this in this situation? And again, I want to say that, like, these are things that happen very, very young. 
I remember when I was about 19 years old, I took my goddaughter to the grocery store with me. She had to have been two and a half, three years old. And we're rolling down the aisle and she sees someone in the aisle and she looks at them and she's like, God, mommy, why are fat people? She said it like this. She took her hands and she put her hands out in front of her body and made like a big round belly. And then she like tucked her chin up against her collarbone to try to make her face bigger. And she said, why are fat people so fat? And then she said, I love the big fat people. And she said it in that voice, two and a half years old. She said it so loud in the middle of the grocery store aisle. Y'all, I was mortified. I was 19 years old. I had not learned what I learned about child development. I had not yet had all my experience with kids. So what did I do? I ran. Me and her bolted. I ran and I was like, shh, no, 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 no. You don't say that. You don't say that. How often do we have young children that say something like just kind of totally off the wall, And we are just mortified and we run. We just shut it down and we run. I know y'all have been there. I have been there. It also happens when they make comments about skin color. Oh, why is she so dark? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't say that. And you just bolt and you run. Why are those two men kissing? No, no, don't. Come on. Don't point that out. Let's go. No, you don't talk about other people. Right. You just shut it down and you run. What happens when we do that? We are actually sending a message to our child. Without knowing, we think we're sending the message of like, oh, it's not polite to talk about people. But we don't actually say that. Again, the five Ds, be direct. Direct would be, it's not nice to comment on people. But instead of doing that, we just shut it down when we run. And the message we actually end up sending our children is being dark is a bad thing. Being fat is a bad thing. Being gay is a bad thing. It's shameful. It's so shameful. We can't talk about it. Here's what I'd invite you to do instead. When your child makes a comment, you say something to them like, oh, you're noticing differences. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes people don't like when we point and talk about their skin color. That doesn't feel good. But I see that you're noticing differences. Isn't it beautiful? So we redirect and we teach them how to say it differently. And something I learned from Britt Hawthorne are the 3C model. You connect with your child you clarify on whatever the comment was, and then you continue the conversation. So rather than just shutting it down and running, you connect with your child, you clarify any errors that were made, and you continue the conversation. These things are important so our children learn from a very early age because these beliefs and ideas about people, about identity, about race, It starts as early as nine months old. Do not wait until your child is in middle school facing very tough, hard, hurtful, hateful situations to have these conversations with your children. Start them when they are young. Grab the books. Watch the shows that have diverse representation so that at nine months old, When you're reading books, they're already exposed to diversity, exposed to different people looking different ways. And when I say diversity, I don't just mean hair color, eye color, skin color. Also, different beliefs, cultural backgrounds, body types. But our children notice. And when you see them notice, and you will notice your child noticing, if you're walking down the street and there's someone in a wheelchair and you see your child staring, again, rather than don't stare, that's not nice, 
because now they're faced with the question of like, well, I've never seen that before. Does that mean I'm not supposed to look at that? Is that a bad thing? We don't. Oh, that's a bad thing. We don't look at that. We don't talk about it. Rather than that, you just start talking about different abilities, different body types, differences in people and how it's beautiful and what some people can do and what other people can do. And also talk about where things are heightened, right? Like if someone is uh, lacking one sense, they usually have heightened other senses. Talk about that. And if you don't know, learn with your child. I love how curious you are about everything. Let's go to the bookstore this weekend and grab some books so we can learn about this together. It's okay to not know. It's okay to be learning. It's okay to make a mistake because you always have the ability to come back and to repair and to learn and to correct and do better. So your homework for this week is to teach your child any age how to know whether or not to make a comment. That was a question that came up in our in our talk this morning was the question of like, how do I know when a comment will or won't be offensive? Here's a quick and easy rubric. If someone cannot change something in 30 seconds or less, do not comment. Whether you believe there are two genders or more genders, I don't care what you think you believe. No one can change their identity in 30 seconds, not your place to comment on it. Whatever they tell you, you believe them, you call them by that. That's respect. Someone cannot change their skin in 30 seconds. You don't comment on it. Someone cannot change their hair in 30 seconds. You don't comment on it. Someone cannot change their outfit in 30 seconds. Don't comment on it. Someone cannot change their lipstick in 30 seconds. Don't comment on it. Someone can tie their shoe in 30 seconds. Go ahead and comment. Excuse me, your shoe is untied. Cool. If they cannot change it in 30 seconds or less, do not comment on it. Whether your child is two, you can throw that at them. They'll catch it. You're going to tell them this more than once. If your child is 12, tell them. If your child is 14, teach them that. And then run through scenarios. So that's your homework. You're going to go through scenarios with your child and you're going to teach your child about when and where they make a comment and then how to use the 5Ds and implement the 5Ds. And if you have any questions, please send them to me. This is a sticky, uncomfortable subject, but it is very present and very prevalent in our children's world and in our world. And so I want us to really have an understanding of this and get this. So please send me your questions. You can send your questions to podcasts with an S at blacklove.com. You can send your questions to me directly on Instagram at Cherie Sims. You can fill out the Google form that's in the show notes right underneath here. And you can also join the Parenting for the Culture podcast club where you connect with other parents and you ask your questions and you get your answers. So don't be blind, have your blind spots, but use your community, use your tools to fill those blind spots and get the answers that you need. As always, I thank you guys for coming here. I hope you will continue to come back and grab a friend and bring them with you. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you all next week. Peace, everybody.